Hey listeners, Dana Shea here. And before we get into today's show, I just want to share with you a new podcast I've been listening to, The Wholesome Mama Show. The show is hosted by Elise, who is a Christian motherhood coach who specializes in helping mothers of young children to take back control of their time and home and create systems so they actually have time to spend with their family. She has honest conversations about how to partner with God in a modern world to raise your children. I think you'll love her podcast, and I know you'll love her accent, too. So be sure to check it out at WholesomeMama.com. That's WholesomeMama.com or everywhere podcasts are played. Now, are you ready to get in today's show? Me too. Let's do it. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. All right, my friends, welcome to today's episode where we are talking about a very, very important conversation that you as a spouse must have with your spouse. We are talking today about how money matters in marriage. Truth be told, there are so many couples who are living paycheck to paycheck. There are many couples who are swimming in debt. There are many couples who have zero savings, zero There are many couples who right now you are contemplating divorce, but you can't even afford it. Historically, money problems have been the number two cause of divorce in our nation. Think about that. Money problems. And I actually do not believe that it's the money that's the problem. I think it's our vision toward money and it's our communication or lack thereof when it comes to these issues of money. So we have with us today a friend of the show. His name is Austin Black. I actually was a guest on Austin's podcast called The Heart of Money. And Austin and I today talk about how money and marriage is absolutely intertwined. Regardless of how much or how little money you have, is your vision the same concerning your finances? And if it's not, oh, my friend, you're going to have some issues. So Austin is a financial planner. He was first trained under Dave Ramsey. So many of you guys know who Dave Ramsey is. Some of you hate Dave Ramsey because he makes you accountable and responsible. Some of you think that he's too restrictive. Some of you love him. Sean and I have actually gone through Financial Peace University ourselves, and I actually love the program. But what I will say is we don't just talk about the steps to financial peace today. We talk about really how to have financial peace in your home, how to have financial peace in your marriage. So if you stick with this podcast all the way through, you are going to learn so much. We talk at the very end of the show about how men and women communicate and think about money differently. I thought that was a really fascinating part of this whole conversation. So without any further ado, my friends, let's go ahead and jump into my conversation today with Austin Black. Well, Austin, thank you so much again for being a guest with us today. I love talking about finances. Um, wink, wink. I think that most people like kind of get like all, you know, intimidated when they're talking about finances. (laughs) I know, right? I know. It's, you know, because it causes a lot of drama. Like, let's be honest, like a lot of fights, a lot of arguments, a lot of misunderstandings. 
And so you're going to help us secure all of that in this 30-ish minute podcast today. Perfect. We better get to it. Glad <laughs> on. to be on the show and, and really appreciate the opportunity. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you started? I know that you are a Dave Ramsey expert financial uh, advisor, <laughs> a financial coach, master coach, I should say. So how did you start working with Dave Ramsey? And uh, tell us a little bit about your background and your story um, on how you actually started this whole journey. Yeah, so my journey started about nine or 10 years ago. Um, I was a young uh, single man at the time and had a good job and you know was not a lavish spender, but I wasn't really keeping track of my money. I was just making the paycheck each month and then buying what I had to, spending as little as possible, and that was about the extent of my financial management. And um, everything kind of came to a halt one day whenever I realized that my my checking account balance uh, was not growing. In fact, it was starting to decrease a little bit. And I thought, wait a second, if I'm still working and I'm still making a paycheck each month, why is my account balance going down? So that kind of caught my attention a little bit. And I sat down and, and um, listed all my receipts out <clears throat> for that month. This is like, I think, week three of the month. I'd already um, got my second paycheck for the month, so there wasn't going to be any more money coming in to about another two weeks. And as I added everything up, I realized that I had already overspent my paycheck for that month. And the month's not over yet. So that really woke me up because I had to go buy groceries that night. I still had expenses I had to take care of. So I, I was obviously was spending more than I was making was the bottom line there. And my lack of financial management really uh, came to light in that moment. So I had to do a kind of a complete 180 that night. And that's when I really first found out about Dave Ramsey. I had heard about him. I you know knew that he talked about how to become debt-free and how to manage your finances and everything, but I didn't really understand the program. <clears throat> so that night, I realized I've got to change something or I am going to go broke. I am going to continue to overspend. I'm going to ruin my life doing that. So I went online, uh, found out about his program, got my first budget going, and that just really shifted um, my focus, shifted my action, shifted my behavior because I started to pay attention to what I was doing with my money. I wasn't just making it and spending it. I was actually managing it and watching it. That went from being this young guy who was about to go broke to in about 18 months time, I paid off all my debt, saved $12,000 and bought an engagement ring in cash. So did a huge wow. shift in, in what I was doing with my money. Fast forward then a few years, my wife and I got married. We went through um, the Financial Peace University class as soon as we got married as a couple. And that really set the foundation for our entire financial journey. So we, we became... You know, I like to say ingrained really in in the principles that Dave Ramsey teaches in his baby steps and just the whole philosophy behind what he teaches. So we bought our house about a year after getting married and we got on a 15-year mortgage and we planned to pay it off in seven years because we decided we did not want to have a mortgage any longer than we had to have one. We knew that by the math, we could pay it off in seven years. So that was our goal all along. Um, amidst all of that, we're living debt-free. We're investing into to kids' college, into retirement funds. We're buying used vehicles with cash. We're buying farm equipment with cash. We're doing all of this stuff, plus taking care of life and emergencies that pop up and everything else. And amidst everything that happened, we ended up getting our house paid off in four years and nine months. Now, mm. while we were doing that, I became a financial coach um, through Dave Ramsey's um, coaching program, became a master financial coach because I realized I knew a lot of stuff or I learned a lot of stuff. A lot of other couples probably don't know, haven't experienced, <clears throat> aren't practicing. 
And because I have learned these things, it's changed my life and I want to help change other people's lives. So I went through the training, became a coach to really talk about the two things that I enjoy most, money and marriage. I just, I love helping people. I love talking about, you know, marriage. I love talking about money and financial management. And those two things really came together in a culmination to allow me to service people at a higher level, to teach them what we had gone through, just to understand financial management how money affects your life, how it affects your marriage, how it affects every element of your life. Um, so I have actually, I teach um, the Dave Ramsey principles, but I've also created my own framework where I have my wife and I took his, took his principles and accomplished success with them at a higher level. And that's what I really walk folks through and teach them um, is those three points of, of how you can really win with money in your marriage, in your life, how you can take charge and, and just achieve financial independence in whatever way you want to do it. Well, your story is so unique. And I think just the fact that, first of all, when you said 15-year mortgage, like that's a stretch for some people. Some people have never heard of such a thing. They're like, oh, they offer those? And then, (laughs) you know, you went from 15 to then having a goal to pay it off in half the time, seven years, and then you paid it off in half of that. Like that is extraordinary. I don't think I know of anybody who has paid off a mortgage in four years. And so- on one hand, that's like super inspirational and like, wow, right? But then there are other people who are listening that are like, okay, yeah, I cannot, I can't even pay off a credit card in four years, <laughs> let alone a mortgage. So right. we're assuming, I'm assuming at least that most people are familiar with Dave Ramsey. Our church has, and like many churches, they have sent lots of people through Dave Ramsey. We just, as a staff, as I'm a pastor at my church, and so as a staff, we all went through Dave Ramsey together um, about mm-hmm. nine months ago. And, you know, we had the magic scissors and we're cutting up credit cards and we're doing all of these things. And it was it was right. so inspirational. It was motivating to see yes. other people actually paying off their debt. We don't have a lot of debt, thank God. Um, but, you know, to see other people cutting up these credit cards and doing all of those things. So I want to back way up for those who are not familiar with Dave Ramsey. There are eight baby (laughs) steps that he talks about. And so you talked about paying off your mortgage, which is what, step five or six? What are the eight steps? Yep. So so I I think there's actually seven steps unless he's changed it, which is possible. Um, Yeah. Step one is your starter emergency fund of $1,000 in savings. Step number two is pay off all your debt except your house with the debt snowball method. Step three is then to get a fully funded emergency fund with three to six months of expenses. Step four is to invest 15% of your income into a retirement account. Step five is to um, save for kids college. If you have children, you want to, you want to send off to school. Step six is to pay off your mortgage and you do four, five and six simultaneously all at the same time. And then step seven is that, you know, end of everything, you begin to max out your, your investments. You begin to, to grow your wealth, to live and give like no one else. Um, so those are kind of the, are the seven steps, um, that he walks through. So technically the paying off the house is kind of that last final step before you really get to achieve the ultimate financial independence and begin to, you know, maximizing your investments and being generous and just taking complete control of your money. Cause at that point you have no debt at all. It's all yours coming home. Yeah. Yeah. He added the one step I didn't hear you mention. So it is eight or we were taught eight it's insurance. It's insurance okay. and it's identity theft protection that he added in okay, there. Okay, awesome. But thinking about those who, let's look at baby step number one, which is to have an emergency fund of $1,000. So I remember we were first introduced to Dave Ramsey probably 15 years ago, and we were living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, we had more month, you know, more month than money, as they say, right? right like So right. by the third, we were all tapped out. We were all spent out. 
And a lot of people live that way. You know, most the majority, sadly, the majority of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And so for us to even think of having a thousand dollars in savings, you might as well said you need a million dollars in savings. Like (laughs) it seemed, how do people have a thousand dollars saved? That's what I thought at the time, right? This may have been close to 20 years ago. And it just seemed like an impossibility. And so I remember, again, back then, just thinking this is just this. This is so far out there. I might as well not even try. So we didn't. And so mm-hmm. fast forward many, many years. I think we first got our first thousand dollars saved up. I don't know, 10 years ago, let's say. I don't know. But yep. I remember just the victory that we felt like, oh, my gosh, we've got some zeros in our bank yes. account and not negative. <laughs> like we've got some, right. some positive <laughs> right, zeros absolutely. in our bank account. And then like that step number two is pay off your debt. Now, that, again, felt insurmountable. It's like, how in the world do people not have debt? Like, I did not think that was possible. I thought the right. only way that people don't have debt is if you were born into a very wealthy family or if you just never, ever applied for debt. But like, I didn't know of anybody who didn't have debt. And so what I'm trying to say, you know, this very long synopsis here is that we went from absolutely being unbelievers to trying these things little by little. And that's why they're called baby steps. So now that we are in a place of financial blessing is what I like to call it. And for somebody like us, like I remember... I tell my kids our story all the time because my husband and I got married at 18 and 21. We had like no money. I mean, nothing. You don't have anything when you're 18. (laughs) And I remember there was a situation where I was sitting in a parking lot of a shopping center calling some friends of ours, good friends of ours, asking to borrow $35 to pay our sanitation bill. That's how broke we were. And to go from that to now the place where God has brought us, it is truly a miracle. And it is a miracle, but it is also because we put the plan in motion. So I want you to encourage couples who maybe they were like me 15, 20 years ago and felt like what you're speaking is like for some other species. That's not me. (laughs) How can they begin, right, to get out of that place of unbelief and into a place where this is actually a possibility? Fantastic question. And honestly, this is why I became a coach, because, you know, having gone through Dave's program, having followed him, knowing what all the baby steps were, knowing that entire process, it's overwhelming whenever you first look at it. It seems daunting. It seems like an impossible task because like like you said, you no, know, even what we have gone through is better than what most people experience. And yet it was still a a journey for us. So I think back to, you know, folks who, like you said, the thousand dollars, that is a monumental spot in their life to have really more than $100, maybe even savings account. I mean, I I forget what the statistic is, but there is a vast majority of Americans that don't even have $100 in savings, much less $1,000. So the reason that I kind of became a coach was to help people realize, yeah, there there are tactics, there are strategies in place to get to this point, but that's not actually where you begin. You know, you don't just start trying to save $1,000 because that seems like a big, overwhelming thing that you can't accomplish. So the the three steps that I actually outline and why I teach folks before we even look at the baby steps, we've got to come up with three things. We have to identify what our vision is. We have to create a plan to accomplish that vision. And then we have to manage our behavior to actually make that plan happen. So it all starts back at, do you simply have the desire 
to do better at any level. Because without that desire, you will never accomplish it at any level. You may think that $500 is the biggest thing you're going to accomplish. Great. Go for it. Start there. Make something happen. You may be inspired to go for that $1,000 savings. You may be thinking, hey, if we can actually get to where we've got the full fund, that would be just a life-changing moment. But regardless of how far and how fast you want to go, you got to start with that desire. That's where that's where everything begins, the desire and the mindset. Because once you have that in place, then you are willing to do whatever it takes to get to that point. So what I always tell folks to start out with is you have to want to have a, a life that you honestly cannot imagine at this point. You know, my wife and I, we cannot imagine paying our house off in savings. We knew we wanted to, but we we didn't know anyone who even had the 15 year. I mean, everyone, like you said, had the 30 year. Um, we were making less than $100,000 a year. We paid it off in our early 30s. We knew nobody who did that. But we decided we wanted to try to do this. We had that desire and that mindset to just change and to to find something that was bigger than life, you might even say. For a lot of people, that's going to be out of the ballpark, but it may just be getting the debt paid off, having the security, having you know the, the retirement, just living comfortable and, and not having a burden over your head. That may be all it is. Whatever it is, start with that mindset, start with that belief, and everything will fall into place from there. One of my favorite all-time books is Simon Sinek's Start With Why. And that's really what you're saying is that like we have to start with a dream, right? We have to start with a purpose, a vision, a why that's bigger than just ourselves. Because when it gets hard, when you feel like, you know what, I make good money, I can go out and buy myself whatever I want. It's that why that is going to keep you anchored in, I can but I'm not. Like the Bible says, right? Everything is permissible, mm-hmm. but not everything is beneficial. And exactly. you used the word earlier, you started talking about like discipline and self-control, right? All of these words that we don't like to talk about, overspending, <laughs> the B word, budget, right? right? Like nobody wants to be on a budget. And I mean, it just sounds so like limiting budget. Um, and right. I think Dave Ramsey calls it a spending plan or whatever, but it's still yep. a budget, right? Um, and so I, I like the fact that you're talking about it has to start with the mind, you know, because behavior is going to be short-lived if it's not fueled by a different mindset shift. And I know exactly. that you do a lot of work with couples, helping couples to have good communication because there's I think the number one reason for divorce is poor communication. Number two mm-hmm. is financial reasons, right? Yep, and then you get into exactly. like the infidelity and all those things. <clears throat> so you're really hitting on number one and number two of reasons that couples divorce. They're not having the right kinds of conversations. They're fighting, they're arguing, they're hiding money, they're overspending, they're doing all this. And then obviously the second thing is their money is all out of whack. So mm-hmm. if you are working with a couple, Austin, and they they can't seem to agree on a budget. Let's say they they both are like, yeah, we need to start budgeting. We need to start having a spending plan, but they can't seem to agree on these basic things. How can they start? Like what's plan A? Obviously they've got their why. They both got a desire. Okay. Yes. We're going to change our financial situation, but they can't seem to agree on the how. The budget's not going to solve anything unless you can actually communicate about the money. Like you mentioned, communication being number one, there are distinct differences in how men and women communicate, period, and how they communicate about money. 
And until you can understand that distinct difference, no budget, no meeting, no amount of planning is going to help you accomplish that. So I always start folks off way back at the beginning, before we ever talk about numbers, before we ever talk about budget, before we ever even talk about making the right money choices. I say, we've got to figure out how you guys can talk to each other without arguing, being able to understand each other, being able to respect each other. Because so many times the husband and wife, they both want the same thing. They both have the same desires, the same goals, the same dreams, the same visions, but they just don't communicate it the same way. And because they don't communicate it the same way, they don't feel like each other is supporting them. They don't feel like they're on the same page. They don't feel like they're moving in the same direction. Um, it's like you know, one ship is moving faster than the other, or one is just kind of keeps veering off to the side. They're not tracking together. They're not working as a unified team. So I always start couples back at just the core pieces of communication. How do you talk to each other? How do you understand each other? What's the language that you're using? What is your personal um, reaction to money or to conflict or to tension or to satisfaction or to fear? Because money is personal and it's emotional. And if we cannot understand our own reactions to the ability to control it, the ability to be responsible about it, the acknowledgement that we have some financial fears from our past and from our beliefs about it, if we cannot address all of those, then we cannot maturely and effectively communicate those. And until you can establish that clear communication, nothing else really matters. That's the very beginning point is open up those lines of communication, being able to understand, respect, and being able to just talk about money without having an argument. Yes. You know, it takes so much vulnerability to do that. Um, I'm thinking about, again, in my own marriage, my husband and I, we've we've gone through so many ups and downs and financial ups and downs. And I had a scarcity mentality. Now, I didn't mm-hmm. know that at 18. I didn't know that at 21. I thought <laughs> right. I was a frugal, responsible person. That's what I thought. You know, yes. I'm a yes. frugal, responsible person because we're always going to paint ourselves in the best light. And then my spouse is irresponsible and he is an overspender. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. And so when we're coming to these conversations and I'm coming in with all this judgment, right? Like I am the the righteous one and he's like the the irresponsible one. And so what I was not doing was looking at the strengths that he was bringing into the relationship. I was only yep. looking at it from my scarcity mentality. So I say, everything. As a matter of fact, I mentioned earlier, we got married at 18 and 21 and I paid for the majority of my own wedding at it as an 18 year old because wow. I would not spend, I would work these jobs in high school and save every dollar. I just wouldn't spend. So I had thousands of dollars by the time I was 18. And so I was able to pay for my own wedding. And my husband grew up very differently. This is why it's important that you're talking about the fears that come from our past and our childhood mm-hmm. because he grew up so different. He grew up with he didn't grow up with a scarcity mentality so if he wanted something he just got it his mom was able to just get it for him that was so foreign to me i grew up with a single mom for the majority of my childhood and so i saw her pinching pennies and i saw her sacrificing and i felt like being a good daughter was to honor that and not make her pay for a lot of stuff so either i would save up for it or i would just go without and that I brought that into my marriage. So when we wanted something, it wasn't me that was like, oh, let's go. I'm going to go out and buy all these clothes and do all these things. I hoarded money because I was afraid. I I had so much fear of us not having. And that's why, Mm -hmm. again, when I was sitting in the car that day, that was kind of our, our bottom point, sitting in the car and being like, what two working adults 
do not have $35 to our name to pay this utility bill, you know? And it was a wake-up call for me. There are many uh, different types of wake-up calls. For some people, like Dave Ramsey, he talks about building all this wealth and then losing it all. And that Mm -hmm. was a wake-up call for him. For some people, it is marital strife that you can't seem to get on the same page. And so that's a wake-up call that something's got to give. And and there's many more examples that I can give. But I want to know, Austin, you know, I want you to talk a little bit more about that men and women and how we communicate differently, especially with, when it comes to these financial conversations, because I don't think a lot of people are thinking that way. I think a lot of people yeah. are like me, you know, and the fact that I was thinking, well, this is just how I am. And so my spouse needs to just get on board with how I am. <laughs> Right. Yes. I, I talk a lot about this um, in, in the coaching that I do and in a, a video training that I have available for folks. So that if they want to dig in deeper, they can, can check those out. But th- the core essence of it is more times than not, um, the women are more the natural savers and the men maybe are the natural spender, but they aren't as worried about the saving. To them, as long as they can go make money, life's going to be okay. And the women, they have this need for security, for stability, for assurance through finances that if my husband can't go work, if we have a big emergency pop up that we know we can't pay for our savings, if something happens, are we going to be okay? That's what is at the forefront of most women's minds. Guys, we, yeah, we think about it, but we don't base our whole emotions around that because to us, we want to be in control and we're going to stay in control. That's just, that's how our mindset is evolved. So it's so important to understand both sides of that coin because a supportive wife needs to know that her husband has the desire to maintain authority, control, and, and leadership over the finances, over the situation. He's not going to put her in harm's way. He's going to take care of her. He's going to do whatever it takes to make sure that she has what she needs. But the husband also needs to understand that that doesn't mean just working all the time, making sure that the bills are taken care of. Because taking care of the wife means addressing her emotional security, her desire for stability. And that usually means having quite a bit of money in the bank, just because that makes everything go easier. So knowing that we talk about it differently um, requires us to use different language, to use different tones, to just ask different questions even. Um, it can be really hard for a woman to get a man to talk about money sometimes because that is our area of control. And if we feel like we're being questioned about it, we oftentimes get defensive and stop talking about it because we don't want to become in that vulnerable position. But a strong man understands that his wife has insight that he cannot provide himself. And so using her desire for security and for stability can show him what does my wife need and how can I provide for her in a way that I am still in control of this and my wife feels like I am providing for, taking care of her, and we're in this together. And likewise, the woman, knowing that her husband is not going to be a careless spender who doesn't care about the budget and just wants to go make money and and it'll be what it'll be, knowing that he is intent on being the provider and the caretaker gives her the comfort of knowing I can trust him. I can rely upon him to do this with me. Um, But it it honestly, it does take that position of realizing neither one of us have all the answers. Neither one of us are always right, but we have different strengths that we can bring to the table. And if we're just willing to open up and be honest about how we feel about this, 
we can find a way to work together to where we both have respect, we both have understanding, and we are both unified in this as a couple that is probably going to achieve a lot more success than most couples in the country. If couples will just stay the course instead of breaking up or fighting Mm -hmm. against each other, then these actually can bring you much closer. I think my husband and I, we have gone through so much together that it's in those hard times. It's in the valleys. It's in the, you know, I remember being at Walmart and being like, okay, are we going to get toothpaste or toilet paper today? Because we can't get both, (laughs) you know, And, and literally remembering that and realizing that we are in this thing together like that has helped our marriage more probably than the, than the mountaintops, more than yes. the, the good moments. And really what you're saying about realizing that at our core, most women do, we need security. And so for a woman to ask her husband, like, are we okay? Like, are we all right financially? There's so much behind that question. There's yeah. so much underneath that, that she's not feeling at rest. So for a husband to be able to be sensitive to that and not just like you said, not just be like, I'm going to go work more and I'll figure it out. But like right. bringing his wife into that dialogue a little bit, like, yes, we're okay. Like, I'll tell you this. If my husband was concerned about money and I asked him, let's say I'm, I'm noticing maybe something's off, which women are very perceptive. So, that, you know, <laughs> right? so if a woman is asking like, what's going on? You know, it's kind of like the mom that asked their child, like, did you eat from the cookie jar? Uh-huh, like she's not yep. asking for information. She already has the information. She's given yep. you an opportunity. Okay. So it's yes. the same thing with the wife that says to her husband, like, what's going on with the money? That's not like an informational question. She knows that right. there's something off. So I think what would help me as a wife is if I were to ask my husband that for him to say, you know what, Dana? Yeah, there's, it's been a rocky <laughs> month this month. Um, I've got a plan and just, you don't have to give me all 12 steps of the plan, but like, I've got a plan. I see that there's an issue and we're going to be okay. Like yeah. that for me, at least would give me so much peace to know that he's not ignoring the problem. He's not mm-hmm. saying there is no problem when I clearly know that there is, but that he also has a plan and maybe even ask him for my input. Like, well, what do you think we can do? Or involving me in that process, even though he may feel like he needs to be in control. But for him as a husband to say, I'm going to invite you into this so that we, because it's our money together, regardless of who's working. When you get right. married, I firmly believe it's it's ours. Everything is ours. So it's our money. It's our problem. And we're going to address this together. Something you said there, it's... It's hard to get into this mode, but whenever you do, it is so powerful. Um, and I've been guilty before of kind of holding stuff in because I've decided I'm going to figure it out. I'm not going to stress my wife. I'm not going to burden her with the problems and the decisions and the issues. And every time that happens, she can tell when I'm mulling over something, when something isn't quite right. Um, but it's not always easy to come out and talk about it. And, and there's been multiple times that she's had to kind of, you know, when I use the phrase, peel back the layers on what I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, what I'm struggling with. Because sometimes, one, I may not want to talk about it. Or two, I just may not know how to talk about it, but just because I'm still trying to process that myself. Guys are a lot slower to process most things than women are. We just, um, we, we kind of absorb it and we internalize it and we just, we have to work through it. Women can just have a feeling, go with it, and they figure it out right away. So, For a lot of guys, when we're in that spot of there's a struggle, there's an issue, and we're going to try to take care of it, it's very beneficial for us to somehow, some way, bring our wives in and say, honey, I don't know quite how all the answers yet. Maybe you can help me out. 
here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm trying to figure out. Do you have any advice or suggestions? Or if they do, you know, if if they beat you to the punch and they say, hey, what's going on? It, there's an opportunity there to start lowering down those those guards or those, you know, control elements because there's obviously something happening that we need to help with figuring out. We cannot, you know, solve the problem of our own. And I think, I know myself included, but I think a lot of husbands would be so much farther ahead if we had that conversation earlier on before the mm-hmm. tension and the stress and the strife starts in because it's going to hit a point where, you are so stressed out that if your wife begins to question, that's just going to break the bank. That's going to cause the fight to happen. And it's not because she is questioning what you're deciding. It's because she's questioning, what have you been thinking about? How can I help you? I'm trying to understand this. We perceive it as she's questioning what I am deciding. And that becomes a whole new element of just a frustration and, and of strife and everything. So it's so important to be open, to be transparent, to involve our spouse and to involve our spouse within that process because they know things that we don't know, they understand things that we don't understand. And together we can have a conversation that really is enlightening, is empowering, and is comforting to both parties. Yes. And going through that process together, I can't help but to think of Ecclesiastes chapter four, where it talks about two are better than one. And and that's what in marriage, a lot of times we, whether it's money, whether it's communication, whether it's someone sick, whatever you deal with in marriage, that we can realize that you, you know, when I'm strong, you're weak. When I'm weak, you're strong. That together, two are always going to be better than one. And yes. so, you know, I'm, gla- I'm grateful that you're helping couples to start having these conversations because most couples don't know how to talk about money without it blowing up into a bigger issue or without becoming competitive or without right. us going into our our corners, right? Well, I make more than you. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I'm more educated than you or whatever it is. You know, we get like pretty <laughs> right. petty. We become five-year-olds, yep. you know, yep. instead of just saying, hey, I'm, I'm actually really nervous because I don't know if we're going to be able to pay our mortgage this month. Or I'm really mm-hmm. nervous that we're not going to have enough money in retirement. Or I'm really nervous that our kids are going to have to get out, you know, take out student loans because we don't have enough money saved up for them. And so you use the word respect earlier. And I, I just I hear that kind of theme in even how you're teaching couples to communicate is that there has to be respect on both sides. There has to be a, let, a letting down of guards, again, like you said before, mm-hmm. and, and just really understanding that together we win. You know, together we win. If we can figure out how to be on the same page, I love that you're talking about dreaming because that's something that in the necessities of life that can get lost on couples that they stop dreaming they just start existing and we just start working to pay bills instead of working to really live out a legacy and so um, thank you austin thank you so much i want to know like if you can help couples to find um what is one maybe one thing that couples can do today if they are really, really in trouble, like really in deep financial trouble, what is one thing that they can do today? And then I want you to tell people about how they can find out more about you. I mean, if if you are in significant, whether it's just financial trouble or your marriage is struggling, um, you know, but you know that you need to get, you have to change something now, or you're gonna you're gonna have some problems. The very first thing that you have to do is just tell yourself. We will be okay if we just can find a can find help can find a way to make this work because something that I that I have have heard about and talked about a lot 
is the fact that we are in control of our own our own choices, our own outcome. We set up the plan that we're going to live out. And yes, you may have put yourself into the spot that you're in, but you also have the ability to get yourself out of it. And just knowing that yes. there is always, always an opportunity to change and to get help and to find a different route. That's, that is the very first piece. I mean, it's, and it, it's basic, it's simple, but it's so crucial and important and it goes deep if you let it go deep. So that, that'd be my, my one tidbit mm-hmm. is just acknowledging that you do have the opportunity to change if you just, if you find that route, if you find that change. Um, that, that, that's probably my, my mm-hmm. biggest point that I can, can tell folks uh, to give them hope and insight and encouragement. Awesome. Well, I am going to link to, I know your podcast, you know, it's called The Heart of Money. And so we'll link to your podcast. And I know that you've got um, a free offer that you want to give to our listeners today. So I'll be sure to link to all of that in the show notes of this podcast. Um, And Austin, thank you for what you do. Thank you for your inspirational story. I know people look at you like a unicorn, probably, when you tell them your story. (laughs) I've been called weird for a lot of years. Well, you know, we need to we need to hear your story because people need to know that it is possible. It is not yes. just a theory, but that it is possible. And so you are living proof that it is possible when you set right. your mind to it and when together you decide that we are going to be financially free. You, you mentioned um, the podcast there and and we talked really quick, briefly about you know that, that dream and having that importance. Uh, we just got done with a very in-depth series on what I call the dream meeting, um, where, where couples can really discuss you know, what they want to do in their life, how they want to get there and what those big ambitious goals are. Um, so the the entire month of, of August, we had those episodes released. So if, if anyone wants to go listen to how to get started in this process, how to begin developing those dreams, those visions, um, go check that out because we, we have a very in-depth series that I think would be really, very beneficial to folks. Yes. And again, I will link to all of that in the show notes. So thank you so much, Austin. Such a great inf- informational and inspirational conversation today. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for the time. Well, that was uh, hmm, maybe convicting for some, encouraging for some, challenging for some, inspirational maybe. How about Austin and his wife paid off their house in four and a half years? Y'all, I have not even done that. Our house is not paid off. I am not ashamed to say that. We're working on it, but it's not paid off yet. And maybe you're listening today and you're like, dang, I don't even have a house. We're still renting. And maybe, like I said earlier, you are just so discouraged because you feel like there is just absolutely no hope for you and your spouse. You're so underwater in your finances. Can I tell you, I am a living witness that if you put your mind to it, you can overcome these challenges. I never in a million years thought I would see zeros in my bank account. Like I was so used to just living paycheck to paycheck, to being broke, to saying I'm broke. And one of the things that we really didn't talk about in this episode is the power of the tongue. Stop saying things like, I'm broke. We don't have money. We're always in debt. We're never going to have. Stop saying things like that and start to declare victory over your finances. Start to become unified and get in alignment with each other so that you can actually overcome this. I believe in you guys. I believe that when you put your mind to it and when you start taking responsibility for your financial choices and you decide that you want better, then you'll work for better and you'll have better. So thanks so much for showing up today. Thank you for listening to this episode. Again, you can find Austin and all of his information on his website 
at freedommoneycoach.com. So as we are gearing up for the holiday season, do not go broke, y'all, trying to get people gifts. Do not go broke trying to impress people who you don't even like. Go ahead and purchase your little Christmas gifts. Don't go into debt to get them if at all possible. And enjoy this holiday season without money hanging over your head. That's it for today's show. As we always say, remember, a good relationship is not one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. Let's get to work, my friends. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.